So we've been looking at the book of Galatians and uh, uh, went all the way through chapter four as of yesterday. Um, I think we're on like day 12, just of Galatians. And um, in it, you know, we've been talking a lot about the idea of justification by faith alone, that it's Christ alone. It's not a Christ end. And uh, after our devotion yesterday, I uh, had somebody who watched and asked a question that um, was very fitting. And, and it's a question that uh, um, comes up often. And so it was really something I thought we ought to discuss. And uh, so if you were on yesterday, you know, we said, hey, we're going to start in Galatians 5 today. Well, we're going to start in Galatians 5 on Monday. Okay, so we're going to continue this idea of justification by faith, because there is a question that comes up sometimes, especially if you've grown up in multiple different denominations in a little bit more of an ecumenical. You know, we've we've been talking through Paul's views of Galatians and how he very much proved the justification by faith alone and not by works, that that works were not a part of what saved us. And so then the question comes up in reading James, was James contradicting Paul? Were they arguing? Were they were they fighting? And uh, and so I think it's it's really worth pointing out and looking at a couple different passages because um, there's something my uh, my Bible props used to to say that um, sticks with me to this day because any one verse by itself, you know, preached by itself could be heresy. You know, any one verse that you look at without looking at the whole of scripture that you can misinterpret, misread, um, read into it, our terminology and our mindsets. And, and so the question of was James contradicting Paul is a relevant question. In fact, sometimes in the uh, uh, I hear it more in a secular uh, realm from individuals who are outside the church saying, well, the Bible is full of contradictions, and here's one reason or one way. Um, and so I want to look at these passages. I want to I look at um, why we might say that. So we've been through Galatians. I'm not going to read through all that again, obviously. But, you know, look at like the key verses, if you want to look that up, you know, we're like uh, in chapter 2. Uh, it was chapter two, verse 15 to 21, when he really talks about justification by faith. And, and then Paul, in one other section, you would go back to Romans. And in Romans uh, chapter five, basically one and two, but that whole section at the start of chapter five, he talks about this. But in one and two, he says again, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. But then James, we turn to James, and, and James says something a little bit different, doesn't he, if you, if you remember the passage. So James chapter 2, and by the way, I love James. You know, James is an awesome book. It's a book of dew, and, uh, and so it's one of my favorites, and uh, James one twenty seven, religion God finds most profitable is one to look after orphans and widows in their time of distress and do not be polluted by the things of this world. I mean, it's just it's kind of one of my life verses. And uh, James two, starting in verse fourteen. Good morning, Pat. It, it says this in this concept of justification by faith or works. And was Paul and James contradicting? So here's James's words. 
What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And that's pretty strong. You can see where people say he's contradicting Paul. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Morning, Sharon. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not faith alone. And in the same way as not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So it sounds like James is saying, Paul, I have an issue with what you have to say, right? I mean, it sounds like he is contradicting everything Paul has said. So let's talk a little history first, timeline of this. So Galatians was written about 50 to 55 AD. Romans was written in uh, the winter of 57 and 58 AD because it talks about an imprisonment and the king. And I mean, we, we know that. And so that one's a little bit closer and we know exactly when. And then James wasn't written till the end of the 60 AD. So like 68, 69 AD. So was there a big change in theology in 10 years? No, absolutely not. In fact, what it is, it, it comes down to some basic things. So let, let's, before I get ahead of myself, Luther, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Wesley, all believed in justification by faith. These were uh, Luther, uh, Calvin, you know, strong Calvinists. I mean, it's named after him, right? You know, and, and often you, you see the uh, justification by works coming about in more of the the liturgical, a little bit more of the Calvinist, Lutheran, Reformed at times, and, and but yet they believed in what was uh, in Latin, sola, fide, uh, yeah, faith alone, sola fide, um, morning dad, mom, uh, sola gratia, which is gra grace alone, and then John Wesley said sola scriptura, which is, you know, scripture alone, and, and so they believed in this idea of justification by faith alone. So where did it get switched? Why did people start to think that James was contradicting Paul? And in fact, at the Council of Trent, when you talk about ecumenically, the Council of Trent agreed on the concept of justification by faith alone. Were they just throwing out James or James's writing and just only going with Paul because he wrote more on the topic? No, not at all. In fact, they found that there was no contradiction between James and Paul. James's intent at writing what he did had nothing to do 
with contradicting or correcting Paul. And here's why. So when you look at these passages, and we just looked at it, Romans, um, really you could go chapter 4, 1 through 5 as well. We read chapter 5, 1 and 2. Um, so those are both passages in there. James and that whole bit that we read there. Um, so Romans 2 uses a couple different terms, depends on how they're translated. But they're really, you could say, reckoned and justified. So counted as, credited as, there's different translations, but the word is often used as like reckoned and justified. And he uses those two terms in, in Romans. Um, they're not contradictory. They are two aspects of redemption. They are two aspects of what it means to be justified, right? Good morning, Ray. So reckon is to have credited to your account the righteousness, right? It's the credit to your account of justification, uh, and it's that result of the reckoning, uh, the, the reckoning of God, right? The law accuses, and, you know, we just can't hold it, right? The law accuses us daily, and that's what Paul kept saying, is if we're trying to get our righteousness by the law, then uh, nobody's ever going to be righteous. You can't do it. No one upholds all the angles of the law. And in fact, James agrees with him on that. James even says in, in chapter 2, verse 10, he goes that no one can keep the whole law, uh, or you could keep the whole law, and yet if you stumble at one point, you're guilty of the entire law. So James is agreeing with him that the law is futile, that we can't find our justification based on the law. So why does it sound like he's using works when Paul said it's not about works? So that apparent contradiction is due to words. It's due to words. So you ever read in history class, Napoleon, Napoleon, you know, the French dictator, that he was a big man, right? And then you hear somebody else say, well, Napoleon was a small man. Well, why the contradiction? Hi, Mike and Penny. Hi, Tammy. So why the contradiction? And it's all about terms. It's all about a definition, right? Define the word big. When history tells us that Napoleon was a big man in history, it doesn't mean that he was a giant and tall. It meant that he was influential in history. And when he's a small man, it's because he was a short dude. He was not tall at all. He was a very, very short individual. Same as, you know, let's say, you know, I, I love... I love on some of the different trips I've gone to, there's a sport that uh, a lot of other, especially uh, everywhere but America, loves to play. And they call it football. Now, if I came and said, hey, I want to play football, well, actually, I would say soccer, right? You know, I would look at them and say, oh, you're playing soccer. And they'd go, no, it's football. And I'd say, no, it's soccer. Oh, no, it's football. And we could argue over a term when we mean the same thing, right? Good morning, Michaela. We, def we, we argue over a definition when we're saying the same words. There's a, a word often used in the, the Greek and uh, um, the New Testament that is this idea of zealous, uh, of zeal. 
and, and zeal, the zeal uh, for my my temple, the zeal, and you know, it's used so often in, in the New Testament, especially in the Old Testament, but it could be meaning two things. One, in the Old Testament, it was often used of God to, in a negative way, talking about his jealousy, that he was zealous for, you know, obedience, that, that he was jealous. You don't serve other gods other than him. There was a zeal that was zelios, says the, the word, right? And, and zelios, um, it was a, could have that negative in a way, that, that uh, connotation. But yet it could also mean passion. It, it could mean that you were zealous for something in a passionate, excited way and have a good term to it. And so that's why sometimes in translations, it's so important how they translate because the same word in translation could have different meanings. It could have a, if you translate it wrong, you could be making something a positive note when it was intended to be a warning. And so words are specific and that's where we get caught up between James and Paul because it seems like Paul is saying it's justification by faith alone, which we've proven. It's not about works. I'm not saved by faith or by works, only by faith, Christ alone, not Christ and something else. And then you have James saying, well, without works, your faith is dead. I mean, come on, it's all about works. So what's wrong? Well, let's look again at the definition. So justify, to justify has two definitions primarily. One, to be absolved, to declare free from all blame. That's one term of justification, one side of it, to be absolved, to be declared free from all blame. Justification from your sins. That's justification by faith. And then the other side of justification can be this idea and definition of it's demonstrated or proved to be that you demonstrate or prove to be just, right, or valid to show something to be well-founded, okay? So there's two different definitions of justify when that word is translated throughout the, the New Testament. So when Paul is talking about justification by faith, he is referring to the first, that you find your absolution, absolution that you, you find yourself being declared free from the blame of sin by faith by the work of Jesus Christ and nothing else. By faith alone, you are free and absolved from your sins. But then, and so it applies to salvation. Okay, you get that? Then when James is using that term, he's using it in the second way. That part of our walk with Christ that we as believers should not live a dead faith. We should not live a faith that is free from you know, this idea that there's something that we need to do, right? We are changed inwardly so that we are made different outwardly and corporately so that people see us, see Jesus through us, right? And so James is saying the second definition that we demonstrate our salvation, not that we earn our salvation, but prove to me that you are a believer by the way you live your life. Jesus even talked about that, right? 
that we would be made that we would be different that they would see our fruits and they would see our actions and that they would see how we live that people will look at you and know there's something different that's what James is talking about. He is not at all trying to contradict Paul and say, you need to earn your salvation. He's saying, no, your salvation is still faith alone, but show me your salvation. Don't just get saved. So that, that's the, the far end negative side where you see that sometimes in the theologies of those that, well, I was saved, I was baptized as an infant. I, I've never personally made a belief. I've never been born again, as Jesus talked, right, to uh, Nicodemus. I've never been born again. I I've never accepted Christ into my life, but I was baptized as an infant, and I live however I want. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I go to church, you know, Christmas and Easter, uh, maybe Mother's Day, just depends. You know, I, I go once in a while, but I don't, I don't live it. I'm not trying to, and James was speaking to that. He was speaking to a group of people that were basically saying, hey, I got hell insurance. That's all my salvation is, is hell insurance. And James is going, er, no, no, there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. We need to demonstrate our love, our grace, what we know of Christ, that that awe and wonder of him causes us to want to do more. That's where James is coming at it from. You know, they both used Abraham as an example. And some go, well, you know, they're saying that Abraham was this. And, you know, Paul says he's justified by faith. And James is saying Abraham was justified by works. But let's look at those pictures. So Paul uses Genesis 15. It's the beginning of the, the covenant that he believed in the Lord and it was reckoned. It was, it was, he was absolved. He was reckoned, credited to him as righteousness. Whereas James uses a passage from Genesis 22, 12, which was 25 years after the faith of Abram, Abram, really, Abraham back then, that he uses 25 years later to show how he believed and had faith so much in the God that he served, that he was then willing to work. He was willing to demonstrate his belief in his faith. Those are the two examples completely separate that show that he was demonstrating his evidence. That demonstration was the evidence of his salvation. You know, I love when we talk about terms, there is a quote, um, that I, I read from uh, Jonathan Edwards. And so Jonathan Edwards had just um, been writing in, in defense of uh, people were using this term moral duty. So one of the fascinating things about the church is when you watch uh, and you read through work and what that looked like throughout multiple generations. And there was a time, especially in the Middle Ages, where work was considered, they, they defined it as secular and religious and so if you were saved you all of a sudden wanted to go live in a monastery because you didn't think that doing menial tasks you didn't think that being a laborer a farmer a doctor or anything else was holy because there was a difference between religious work 
and they separated this. And Jonathan Edwards was kind of talking to this and this idea of moral duty because people were trying to say that, well, you know, there is a difference between regular duty and moral duty. And he was arguing and going, no, everything you do as a believer comes out of the basis of your morals. And therefore it is a moral duty in everything, whether you're a good employee or a good believer, whether you are a good witness or just a good person and don't lie, it's all a moral duty. And at the end of it, he says this, he goes, after uh, he goes, oh, how is the world darkened, clouded, distracted, and torn to pieces by those dreadful enemies of mankind called words? That's all this was. James and Paul were describing two different aspects of the same mysterious act of being justified before God. James was not writing to contradict Paul, but to add to, to complement, to add to the whole thing. And, and you see, so it's like with even your own faith, as you grow, you learn and you mature and you, you put better words with your understanding. You put better words to describe what happened in your life. You begin to understand it a little bit deeper as you grow in Christ. And that's what happens in the doctrines and the gospels is as people are writing in the early church fathers and they begin to put better terms and better terminology and words and better understanding and and we see that kind of come to its fulfillment in Titus. In the book of Titus, here's what Titus says about this same thing. And he begins to understand it a little bit better and put it all into terms and show that both James and Paul were complimenting each other, not contradicting each other. And so Titus says this in chapter three, starting in verse four, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. So do you catch that change? He is taking them both and going, there was no contradiction. Paul was saying, you are saved by Christ alone, faith alone, and that's it. And then you demonstrate your faith. You demonstrate your trust. And you demonstrate with fruits of your salvation. You demonstrate that you believe in Jesus Christ by the good that you do. Not because you have to, but because you want to, because you are changed, because you can't contain it, because you can't walk by injustice or the poor without being broken. 
So there's no contradiction between the two. Just two different aspects of the same definition that describe those and describe this mysterious act of justification in our lives, that we are saved, justified in salvation through faith alone, no works on our own, through Christ alone, not Christ and circumcision, not Christ and uh, watching the days and observing all the feasts and festivals. But then, but then, we are saved so that, we are saved by the work of Jesus Christ so that we can go out and be a difference that we can go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them and teaching them, right? That we go, we go out together. So hopefully that helps kind of define those two. And, you know, that's, that's one thing when we hear uh, somebody maybe mispreach and talk about, oh, there's contradictions in the Bible. You know, it may not be. It, it may just be that our words are have have meanings right and they mean something different to you than they might to me based on how we've learned so the next time you go to play soccer remember it's football right okay let's pray god we love you i just thank you that you you worked in the authors of scripture not to contradict each other and not to to confuse us, Lord, but as we dig in through your Holy Spirit, that we begin to understand how they complement each other and how they begin to share different aspects of the same thing. Lord, I, I think of like our different denominations, it depends on what lens we look at you through. If we look at you through holiness, then we tend to be in the holiness background. If we look at you through God's sovereignty, and sometimes we end up in the, the reformed aspect. And, and if we look at you through just your power of the Holy Spirit, then sometimes we end up in the charismatic side. And, and, and God, it's all still an aspect of who you are. But may we not be caught in our aspect of a denomination, but caught in the scriptural descriptions of who you are. In completeness and wholeness. So God, continue to grow us, continue to show us more and more and more of who you are. We are saved by the justifying reckoning of your son and your grace, not through any act of my own, because I'm that broken individual in the Samaritan story that all left to my own graces would die. But you stepped in. You paid the price so that I can be the good Samaritan the next time walking down the road with seeking to help others. God, we love you and we praise you. We just pray that you continue to work in all of our lives. Give us a wonderful weekend as we prepare ourselves and our hearts to worship together. Um, even though we're not physically together, but we are together spiritually, Lord. May there be a bond of unity in all that we would go out to our neighbors and those around us just to share the love and hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful afternoon.